the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, have we got a remarkable Christmas special for you We're calling it the Christmas Holiday Special, and you will never have heard a holiday special, Christmas special like this one. You know, when we talk about uh, Christmas and the holidays, we, we, you know, see them on the postcards, see them everywhere. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, my co-host for this two-hour show is named Todd Moorhead, and he is a movie producer and uh, he's got some a movie documentary or documentary others others say <laughs> out and he's going to tell us a little bit about that but it really has everything to do with peace on earth starting in the holy land or not we're going to talk about that in this show and with me right now my newfound friend and videographer movie producer Todd Moorhead hello Todd hey cuz Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Well, we're, you know, I, I told our listening friends that they're going to get a special treat as far as a a Christmas special here because we're going to be doing this, and it has everything to do with the Holy Land where you spent a great deal of time uh, cobbling together a, a documentary. And the name of your documentary, Todd? Hope in the Holy Land. Oh, that's right. And we yeah. know we know who that Hope in the Holy Land really is, don't, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so, just a quick overview of of the um, um, of the documentary, and there, there's also an accompanying book that you might want to be talking to periodically. It's called Grafted In. It's kind of a study guide, and that may be some uh, fodder, if you will, to get us into into the different topics that you want to talk about as well. So we can do that freely, because you know, I think I told you beforehand, Todd, that you're not a guest on this show. We call you a co-host. That means that you have some autonomy, <laughs> and you say, you know, let's mm. let's take it from this land. Caswell, Caswell, go. You got it, co-host. So Great. we're we're going to do that. So give a little bit of insight about the inspiration that you got as far as the Lord telling you, hey, do your so do a documentary about my holy land and uh, let people know about you know the hope that resides there, but also the challenges. So give us the overview on that. We've got about yeah. Uh, so. Eight minutes or so. Okay, Hope in the Holy Land is actually somewhat of a sequel to the first film I did that came out in 2011 called Promised Land, uh, Promised Land Israel Through the Eyes of Surfers. And (laughs) um, that that story documented uh, my my time in Israel um, befriending, who is one of my best friends today, uh, a guy named Hani, who is a surfboard builder, uh, Israeli Jewish guy. Um, he's a surfboard builder and maker in Jaffa, Israel. Yes. And 
that documents our time together and it brings in all these other people in Israel to tell the story of Israel and to give and to give Christians God's heart for the Jewish people and also to uh, very gently uh, share the gospel um, with the Jewish people in a culturally sensitive, relevant way. And then um, a number of years later, a uh, good friend and producer, co-producer Justin Cronin and I, we were we really thought that Israel was not being treated fairly, uh, not only by the media, but also by other uh, films that had come out, especially from the evangelical Christian community over the last decade. My. So we we really saw a need to make a much more balanced, the most balanced film we could ever make um, on what is the truth behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and what is God's heart for not only Jews living in the whole land, but also for the Palestinians. Yes, yes. So, yes, I was, I've been looking forward to this interview and this chat for a long time because uh, I'm a fellow video producer and filmmaker. And, you know, when you were, I had a chance to view your your movie, Hope in the Holy Land, I'm going... I was there with a, a, tr- a troop of um, 11 uh, high school age kids from seven nations, and we went all around in the same areas, and we asked the same questions. So I'm thrilled for you to be able to tell your story, and I should be able to give some color commentary because I can say, oh, that person we talked to, and that was the same situa- situation because, you know, th- this this malady that you experienced as you went through there is not a malady that's brand new. This is a malady that's been going on for hundreds, dare I say, even thousands of years, and I think God wants to change that. So we've got... Yeah, yeah. Uh, We've got about five minutes or so left in this segment. How do you want to take this to the next step? You, what, uh, when, I, when I remember as I looked at your documentary, you're a surf guy. You love surfing in, in, in California, Southern California. And uh, you, you had your, one of your children with you on the surfboard. And, uh, I, and then all of a sudden we segue to Israel. I'm going, this guy is so cool. <laughs> he goes from the Pacific Ocean to the Mediterranean. How amazing. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I'm the main. Um, I'm the storyteller behind behind Hope in the Holy Land. So we were just trying to tell my story, and that's who I am. I am a surfer, and uh, we are. You know, my family. I have four kids, and we're a bit of a surf family as well. So what you see when you um, when you start watching Hope in the Holy Land is one of the opening scenes is me pushing my son uh, son Benjamin into a wave. And uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Whenever, <laughs> whenever I'm screening it somewhere, I make sure and I sit down that and watch that part because, uh, yeah, obviously it's my son, so yes. I like that. But um, and then surfing in Israel has also been—it's been my gateway in a sense. It's been the key that has unlocked all my relationships there, um, as there's about twenty-five to thirty thousand Israeli surfers in Israel. Oh, I love it. Uh, of a country of you know seven million or so. That's. That's quite. That's quite a lot of people. It's a big chunk. No, no question about yeah. it. So y- you had to reflect a little bit on uh, doing this documentary. Did you? How much of this did you weigh that you were going to be experiencing? You realized that there was some uh, imbalance there as far as uh, news coverage and maybe even coverage on the ground of different people, people groups. There, did you weigh the challenges that you might be facing, or did you kind of go in this? Um, with a little bit of naivete. Uh, no, I think we definitely waited. I, I, Israel's not a new place for me. I've been there nearly 30 times. I've led groups there and just been there on my own to 
um, hang out with my friends. So I, I'm well aware of, um, you know, some of the stuff that goes on there. And I, so I didn't just go in blind. I didn't go into the West Bank or Judea, Samaria with, you know, no, <laughs> totally blind. Um, I, I weighed, I, you know, I waited, I waited out, I counted the cost and um, we decided to go for it. Now, I, I do have to say that our director and editor, Jesse Schluntz, did a fantastic job of continually putting me into situations I didn't want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Situations that I was not comfortable with, but I think in the end it made the movie what it is. Yes, yes. I found when I was over there, and we were in those precarious times as well, but if they think that you are a, well, a, a filmmaker, they want to make sure that they give their put their best foot forward, whichever side of the equation, the Palestinian side or the Jewish side, they're on. Uh, but also, as a tourista, you uh, bring revenue and resources to both both the people groups and other people groups there as well. So, I mean, I always d- could depend upon my, uh, you know, I'm a tourist kind of card because th- yeah. they they want to encourage you know encourage tourism. Yeah. yeah, and we noticed and we noticed in um, the Palestinian territories that a lot of a lot of people wanted to talk. Not everybody wanted to be on camera. Oh, yeah. Because they don't live in a free society. Yes. But they wanted to talk. And they didn't know what perspective I was coming from. I didn't say, hey, I'm a Christian Zionist who's making a film on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. <laughs> and, oh, the caveat is I'm gaining, I want to gain God's heart for you, and I want to hear your story. I didn't say that at all. I just said, tell tell me about the conflict. What's going on? And they, and most of them really wanted to talk. Yes. Is um, that right? Yeah. I, I, I we found say, the same thing. Yeah. Yes, I would say the the moment that there was a moment in a refugee camp where I was visiting uh, a Muslim family. It was supposed to be for the whole day. I was supposed to have lunch with them and hang out and the whole deal. Um, in that neighborhood, they found out that we were filming and they had nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. meaning they were not controlling the narrative. They didn't know who I was and they kicked us out. And yes. And and our and our guide, who is a Palestinian refugee himself, he he said these guys are are here to tell both sides of the story, and what those guys actually said off the off the camera, they said there is not there there's no two sides, there's one side and it's our side. Yes, yes. And they want so there's people that want to control the narrative, and the moment they can't control it, um, yeah, you know they they might kick you out or use force or something like exactly. that. Exactly. We're going to dig. Well, can we uh, like to yeah. dig further into this as we go? We've got yeah. about uh, 15 seconds left or so in this. In this segment, my listening friend, welcome to a Christmas holiday special like you've never heard before. You know, we talk about peace on earth, but how do we get peace on earth and where did it start? It started and starts in the Holy Land. And we're going to take a a telescope and a microscope look at what that looks like through Todd Moorhead and his documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. And we will talk more about that and uh, open your eyes more on this holy holiday when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. We want to wish you a very, very... Marian, holy holiday. 
uh, here on uh, Come Together San Diego. This is our Christmas special, but it's different from Christmas specials that you may be listening to. In fact, what I would recommend is I recommend that you keep this in the background as you go through your Christmas time period and listen in on what's going on here. These are some facts that you're going to hear about the Holy Land that perhaps you haven't heard before because a lot of times people are not telling you the fullness of the truth. You get a variety of different points of view. But this is a man who just finished uh, a documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. His name is Todd Moorhead. We're comparing notes because I've been there doing similarly, and I know uh, because I watched his his uh, documentary, there are a few people that we both interviewed <laughs> during our stay there. So we're going to have some great insights. Hey, Todd, thanks for being with me on this entire two-hour broadcast. Before we go any further, would you be so kind as to give us a way that people can find out more about your documentary, maybe even order it, Hope in the Holy Land? Yeah. Uh, just go to the film's website, hopeintheholyland.com. Mm-hmm. And on the homepage, you could watch the trailer you could um, go to all. You could find out all the platforms where it's streaming, uh, where you could download it. Uh, you can click a button to, and it'll lead you to get a DVD or a Blu-ray. And um, you can also look at all the endorsements there. Oh, I love it! And all that stuff. And if you're interested in hosting a screening, there's a page for that as well. Um, so it's all right there at hopeintheholyland.com. Yes. 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 And uh, you did a screening in San Diego County a while back by our mutual friend, Ray Bendley, and that, that was fantastic as well. Yeah, Ray's one of my favorites, and we had a really good time um, talking and chatting after. We actually did a live Q&A after, so it was really fun. Yes. Um, people, people were really engaged in the movie and uh, really challenged. Yes. Uh, what I'm finding with the film is whether you're um, – you know, a hardcore Israel lover, what you might call a Christian Zionist, yes. or you find yourself on maybe the other side and you're a little bit skeptical of Israel, but you, you, you know, you have a soft spot for the Palestinians. Everyone's going to be challenged um, by watching Hope in the Holy Land. Boy, you said that right. Everybody's going to be challenged because on both sides, you can see areas of adjustment, especially when you get into the governmental side. You know, the people on the ground, I found them to be very compassionate uh, with one another uh, and very open hearted to visitors as well. But as soon as you get government and ulterior motives uh, involved in the equation, then the the intimacy on ground level goes askew. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it seems it seems true. Uh, I, I noticed that in your documentary, you you guys actually interviewed um, a number, at least two, I think, Palestinian government officials. Um, where we did uh, like more man on the street interviews, yes. so, so you covered more of what what are the government officials saying? Uh, that was really interesting to hear it straight out of their mouth. And then we covered more of what's the average person on the street saying uh, in both you know, in, in both Israel and the territories. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the, the, you have a love, when you say for Jewish people, you really have a love for the indigenous people of the land, and that can be the Palestinian people, that can be uh, the Jewish people, and there's some other individuals there as well that uh, are in the land, which they um, are part of as well. G- give us an overview of your heart for the Israel and the Jewish people, but also your heart on, on the uh, Palestinian side, and then we're gonna, in the next segments, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what what everybody would like you to think uh, about their 
embrace of the Holy Land and what is the real picture? Because you got the real picture by spending so much intimate time there in the Holy Land and talking with people, uh, you know, people on both sides of the equation. You, some major revelations you got and you're gonna, through the show. You're going to share those with us. But tell us a little bit about your initial love for the Holy Land. And let's start with the Jewish people. Yeah, so I became a believer um, very young, uh, about four years old. And uh, with that decision, it seemed that the love for the uh, love for the Jewish people followed suit. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it was preteens, and it wasn't um, it wasn't instilled by my parents. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they just you know it's, it's not like they were. They didn't say one way or another. Um, they just taught me the Bible and took me to church, and I was pretty involved. Um, but preteens, I already had a love for the Jewish people, and not just Israel, um, but for Jewish people everywhere. But I was fascinated with the land of Israel and the and the Jewish people living there. And so, when I was 18, my dad and I went on our first. Um, I went on my first, you know, pilgrimage tour to Israel. Uh, it, it was a typical church thing where you're on and off of a tour bus, but it's one of those things that changes changes your life and it. It really poured gas on the fire as far as um, trying to discover more of what God's heart is for the Jewish people. And, and by saying that is, what should my heart be? Right? Exactly. Because if God has a heart for something, what we need to follow suit. So um, that led me into actually going to a Messianic Bible study in um, Irvine, California, taught by uh, Pastor Bob Morris, who had um, quite uh, a an amazing effect on my life and learning, you know, learning the scriptures from a Jewish perspective, which I think we should pause and say, well, that seems natural, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, we say that be, because we, we have some inner knowledge here, but a lot of times a person, you know, their, their focus is, well, New Testament, and then if I need an Old Testament verse to support my New Testament right. point of view, then fine. But Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, was and is Jewish. That means his perspective is Jewish. It changes kind of the way that even we Christians must look at the Scripture as well, doesn't it, Todd? Right, exactly. So, you know, if you have to go somewhere special to hear the Scriptures taught from a Jewish perspective, something's wrong. <laughs> um, something's wrong. And um, and I, I don't think it, it's something that they, they intend or anything. It, it's just ignorance and well, we could talk about that later. Anyways, um, so this love for the Jewish people just continued. And then I started um, actually leading my own trips to Israel and taking taking surfers on kind of like a, a surf trip to Israel where they can go see the Holy Land and see the biblical sites and meet the people. Yes. Um, and then one thing led to another, and I made Promised Land and, and another film after that. Um, now, after... After Promised Land, uh, after 2010, uh, a few years later, I was really challenged uh, by one of my professors at um, Biola Talbot Seminary um, to gain God's heart for the Palestinians. And she was an amazing um, Jewish believer who had a heart for the Palestinians, um, a scholar. And she she led me to a book called... um, Arabs in the Shadow of Israel by um, the late Tony Maloof. And that was really the starting point for me of gaining God's heart for um, the Arabs in general and the Palestinians in particular, because he takes 
he, he takes a, a, a theological, biblical look at it. Uh, he's an expert in Hebrew, and he starts to unpack those scriptures um, that deal with Ishmael, who, you know, the most, most scholars agree that Arabs come from Ishmael. So um, I came to find out God, ha- God has an amazing plan and a heart, an amazing love for Ishmael and his mom, Hagar, yes. and he took care of them. And some some promises to them that you don't see anywhere else in the Bible. Um, so that was a big starting point for me. And I also began to realize that uh, I loved Israel and the Jewish people, and I didn't really care for the Palestinians. And honestly, it's hard to say this, but I just thought they were getting in the way of God's plan for Israel. I saw them as like an obstacle. Um, and I realized that this was wrong and it needed to change. Yes. So it was really a heart journey, uh, a journey that I went on to challenge my heart and to actually meet people and to go, tr- not, not just from a book, but actually meet people in the Palestinian territories and gain God's heart for them oh, and see what he might teach me. Well, in August of 2020, the uh, Abrahamic Accord was signed and began and, uh, you know, you're a scripture guy. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And you talk Huge. about, you know, Hagar and Ishmael. And they're, you know, they have Hebrew blood. I won't say Jew. There's a difference between Jew Jew and Hebrew. Hebrew is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then from there, and Jew is basically tribe of Judah. And that didn't really, <clears throat> that really didn't happen until, um, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob becoming Israel, and then the, the tribes. So th- there, there's definitely a calling to all people groups in the Holy Land. And I, it, I, you and I have gone far enough with the Lord to know that his heart is for unity, period, for unity in, in the nations and the world. And right now, the furthest thing from unity seems to be going on right now, disunity. And so it's about time for us to be taking a break in about a minute. So give me about a one-minute word of encouragement that you got in doing this documentary, and then we will take a break and come back and talk about those things. Todd Moorhead. Yeah, I would say that one of the greatest encouragements is to meet those people who um, you might even, you might go as far as to call them an enemy, but maybe you just don't like them or you're suspicious of them. Meet them, befriend them, pray along the way and see what God does because I think he'll do uh, miracles in our hearts. Yes, um, and I say I say a miracle because it's only it's only something God can really do. Yes. Well, one of the things that you're going to find, my listening friend, depending on who you talk to, particularly in the United States, there are those who are fully um, Palestinian embracers, and there are those who are fully. Uh, Jews and uh, Hebrew embracers and Israel embracers, and sometimes there's a major disconnect between the two. I think it's Todd's heart cry, as it is mine, is to bring these sides together because God wants to have his people be united unto him, and this not only includes the Jew, but the Gentile, and Gentile can be defined as (laughs) uh, anybody who's not a Jew. So we're going to talk more about those things, and my co-host... Todd Moorhead and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. 
Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and as they say, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And uh, this show is specifically crafted to give you some insights in the Holy Land and uh, let you know where things are right now and where things need to be for the fulfillment of this peace on earth, which actually begins in the Holy Land because that's, you know, that's the place where where uh, actually creation began. So <laughs> that's a good place to begin on, on the piece. My, my co-host for this entire two hours is movie maker Todd Moorhead, and we're talking about his documentary called Hope in the Holy Land, and you can find out more about it and actually get to see it uh, or actually invite other people to view it or do, do it in a church environment by simply going to hopeintheholyland.com. So Todd, how did I do so far? It's fantastic. Yeah, hopeintheholyland.com, just like the movie. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, we, we can talk about a lot of different things here, but I, I'd like to have you draw a parallel here. In the United States, you've got people that really embrace Israel, and then you, you have those that embrace uh, Palestinians and uh, divest, uh, de, 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 uh, what's it called, divest, uh, sanction boycott divest yeah BDS boycott divest sanction, sanction yeah, yeah. Uh, that says don't do not purchase Israeli uh, goods do not do anything that supports Israel because they are uh, causing real pain and uh, suffering to the Palestinians the, the, and and governments would uh, particularly the Palestinian government would embrace that and a lot of the liberal people in the United States would embrace that but you, this documentary gave you the opportunity to go down and look for the truth. You know, when a person puts their hand on the Bible, you see it. You see it in movies and things like that. One hand on the Bible, one high, hand of the sky, and they say they give their name and they say, "I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth." So help me God. Well, the third component of truth is truth. So help me God. And as we, you went to the the Holy Land trying to get the truth. So help you God. You weren't just taking your own truth your convenient truth and saying this is it. And my listening friend, as you embrace peace on earth as well, it's important that you say uh, truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. And you've discovered that God has some real heart cries for all the people groups there, and the politics sometimes just gets gets in the way. Explain a little further about that. You've been there numerous times, and you, you go deep. You have intimate relationships. Todd Moorhead. Yeah, so what I found is the very thing that is promoting peace is what governments can either be for or against, and that's normalizing with Israel. So we just talked about the Abraham Accords where uh, four or f- four or five nations, I can't remember where it's at right now, uh, Saudi Arabia might be the next yes. one. Um, Saudi so Arabia coming soon to a world near you, I think. Right. So normalizing re- with Israel, nor- normalizing would be a normal relationship where you have, uh, you know, maybe it's even a friendship, but you ha- you share you know, um, economic economic prosperity, uh, tourism, all sorts of stuff, information, and it's a real normalization. Now, in Israel, what I noticed, and especially in the Palestinian territories, or so there's a n- number of different names if. You, that you could refer to the West Bank as the Palestinian territories or the West Bank, or if you're Jewish, 
um, you might say Judea and Samaria, because yes. that's how the Bible um, talks about it. Anyways, uh, and, and, and many of the factories that I went to, about 70% of the workforce, so there is Israeli-owned factories, and 70% of the workforce are Palestinians, where they make five times more the money in an Israeli-owned factory than they would if they worked in a Palestinian factory. Say that again. Um, That's part- important for people to understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, if a Palestinian works in an Israeli factory in the West Bank, Judea, Samaria, they'll make about five times more the salary. That means, I mean, if you watch the film, you'll hear about this, how one guy put his um, daughters through university. Yes. And uh, one guy who was much younger than me had already bought a house, and it's way bigger than my house, believe me. Um, <laughs> well, you're, let's just put it this way. You're in California. That should say a lot. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> okay, that's true. We we live in a you know crazy place. But um, still, he, he was earning a very good salary, and um, they're working with Israelis, and they work as families, and they work alongside each other, and they're actually friends. They've normalized. Yes. Now, there's a, there's a whole group out there called... BDS, boycott, divest, and sanction, yes. and it's all over all over um, United States uh, college and university campuses, and it would be it would be like a pro-Palestinian movement to say because Israel is what they say an apartheid state, and they're and they're um, oppressing the Palestinian people. Again, this is their narrative, and they're the they're oppressing the Palestinian people. We must boycott all Israeli-made products, all Israeli professors, um, and the list goes on. Yes. And until they give, until they give citizenship to every single Palestinian refugee, oh my. which is just, just crazy. Wait a minute, um, that kind of sounds familiar to the United States of America, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Going oh, there on. sure is. What's happening in the last, you know, few decades to what's been happening in the last two years here in America now. Oh, no kidding. Um, so what I found is the very thing that is promoting peace, BDS is against. Yes. And it's actually it's actually anti-Palestinian because the only people BDS hurts is the Palestinian people. Well, the ones they yeah working really in the sharing sharing the, in the right. in the fact in the. In the factories, yeah. absolutely. And we, we saw this with SodaStream, that company um, that, it, you, know, you know, you can make your own soda water. That's yes. an Israeli company that was in the West Bank. Uh, they had they were forced by BDS to move. And and they do ship some of their Palestinian employees in still ship. I mean, bus them in because they still want to work there. But it's way down, I believe, in like the desert now. Yes. So it doesn't hurt the Israelis. They're just going to move their factory. Yeah. It hurts the Palestinians that are providing for their families yes. five times more the amount of money they can provide uh, working for a Palestinian company. So um, the Palestinian Authority the, and, and Hamas, so the two major governments of the Palestinian people would say, yes, BDS, boycott, divest, and sanction. They would actually say there's a death penalty in the Palestinian society for normalizing with Israel. If you're caught making friends with Israel or even saying something nice about them on social media, you could lose your life. Exactly. It's very heavy. So um, those are the, and the very things that promote peace they're against. And so for us as uh, a free think, somewhat free thinking society. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're learning, uh, we're, <laughs> um, and we have universities. We need to 
we need to put a stop to the, we need to put a stop to the university professors who are promoting B, BDS. But there's ignorance out there, and that's why people need to see the film. That's why university students need to see the film to see if you re, you know I believe if you really care for the Palestinian people, you will look at the situation a lot different than you have in the past, and especially a lot different than what you've been told by maybe your professor or the Palestinian movement. Oh, yes, indeed. No question about that. Well, and, you know, as you describe this, uh, Todd, I'm saying what's happening in Israel is also happening in the United States of America. There's no better friend to Israel. There should be no better friend to Israel than the United States of America. There really should not be because um, our, you know, our Judeo-Christian culture is linked intimately with uh, Israel. It is. And uh, uh, so, you know, Different presidents embrace Israel different ways, and uh, the president before the, the present quote unquote president uh, he really embraced that, and you know he brought uh, industry there, and they they loved that president. In fact, on their uh, on their ceremonial coins, they uh, um, had Donald the Donald on there with Cyrus uh, on the coins. Did you have you seen those? I have not seen those. Oh, uh, no, it, it makes sense. It's a, it's a good parallel. I mean, love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump. If you are open to the truth, you cannot say there has been a greater friend to Israel in the history of U.S. presidents than Donald Trump. I mean, he moved. He did what every single president before him said they uh, were know, going to. Yeah. Up until from 19 some somewhere between 1948 and now said they would do. And he, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem saying, yes, if it's a truth, then do it. Uh, yes. he, he recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, which is extremely important. Um, and he, he ushered in, you know, he was the main guy ushering in the Abraham Accords. So you could hate him. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But you at least have to you at least have to recognize that. Um, yeah, he was the greatest friend the, thus far to Israel. No question about it. And my friend, and you know, in the United States, there are a lot of people that are just beloved friends to Israel. And even though some of these uh, governmental uh, positions here and also in the go- the government in Israel is uh, in a challenging mode as well, you know, with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu no longer in the driver's seat there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, posturing as well. And, you know, one of the things that I realize as I view there, the, this political posturing has a lot to do with some of the upper echelon people, but the actual ground level people, they still want to have intimate relationships one with another. And so uh, the, the, where there's the greatest hope for peace, I think it's in the horizontal relationships with the people. You know, they, they don't, they're not trying to make a big point, this or that. They're just trying to live and live harmoniously with one another, although the training that goes on behind the scenes for these poor young people in the Palestinian provinces is, you know, you have to hate Israel. You have to hate Israel. And that's so sad because what they're, what they're seeing in the, horizontally in the natural is different from what the propaganda that they're getting, and they have a tendency to embrace the propaganda and fall so much prey to it that it is— it's it's devastating. It's so it, it breaks my heart. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that Todd. It breaks my heart. Yeah, it, it's it's really sad. Um, and what I noticed when I did man on the street interviews in Tel Aviv, Israel, or in Jerusalem, 
I don't even remember a, a Jewish person saying they hated it, Palestinians, because that was one of the questions we had asked them. Mm. Well, growing up, what were you taught about the Palestinians? And then we would say the opposite, you know, growing up, what were you taught about the Israelis when we were in um, the Palestinian territories? And uh, most of them would say, you know, that, you know, that they deserve to live free like anybody else. Um, and they just, they really wanted peace for them. Uh, by and large, those, the, those were, those were the comments that I heard. Yes. And then when I, when I said the same thing in, in, um, the Palestinian territories, um, yeah. the propaganda came out, the yes. propaganda that they've heard for over 70, no, it's more than 70 years, you know, probably ever, probably even since the grand mufti of Jerusalem in the 1920s, who really started promoting hatred towards, um, Jewish people, yes. um, he, <laughs> we're gonna. Can we talk about this in the next segment? We have to come. We're up against yeah. a break here. Todd Moorhead and uh, your remarkable movie, Hope in the Holy Land. We're going to talk more about that. Merry Christmas to you and a happy new year. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. Don't you know, it's a time for us to have a heart that uh, embraces peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And that's a challenge sometimes in the Holy Land, depending on whom you're talking to, especially uh, goodwill towards men. Uh, on a horizontal level, there's more likelihood to have peace on earth and goodwill will towards men than those who have political uh, uh, strategies and, or, or uh, you know, purposes that uh, go against that. And I, I have with me for the entire two hours, Todd Moorhead. He is the producer of the movie called Hope in the Holy Land. And so, Todd, we were in the last segment, we were talking a lot about uh, the different people and points of view. And, you know, I think it would be a good idea to talk a little. Let's let's go uh, a, a little deeper here. Would that be OK, Todd? We, we you know, I think we want to go a little, little bit on You're you're a believer. I'm a believer. Many of the people who are listening to this are believers. But there's a challenge for us if we say, yeah, Israel is okay, but they're not important anymore. And there is, whether you acknowledge it or not, there is a kind of a replacement theology going on even in the church, even uh, obviously in the Palestinian side as well. But let's talk a little bit about that and see what the Lord on this uh, most illustrious day of all the celebration for Christmas and the holidays is. I think it's a good thing to bring to fore. So I'm going to hand it to you, Todd Moorhead. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of my heartbeat was um, discovering all this stuff, and it led me to write a study guide um, called "Grafted In: Understanding God's Role for You and Your Jewish Neighbors," and it it answered it got I would say solid answers to all the questions I had, like um, who are the Jewish people, what are God's covenant, you know, what's God's covenant with them, what does it mean. What about the modern state of Israel? Is that something that God did, or is it a political, you know, surely a, a political movement? Um, and you know, even even it talks about uh, 
why don't why don't most Jews believe in Jesus? Yes. And then it also covers things like, well, if all this is true, where the heck did the church go wrong? Yes. And where do like, we go from here? Sitting, yeah. Yeah. Why 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 am I sitting here today? And I have to, I I during Easter time. I have to learn what a Passover Seder is. How come that is not a part of the church? Yes. What happened there? Yes. And so, um, like you said, replacement theology is very alive and well. It um, is. And it used, it looked a lot different. It looked a little bit different back then. You know, we had Origen, Augustine, all the way up to the reformers who were uh, replacement theology, theologians yeah. who said that, you know, God's covenant with Israel is no longer intact. There are no future promises to ethnic Israel. There are no national promises. Because they didn't believe in Jesus and they actually killed Jesus, they forfeited all those promises. And the church, mainly the Gentiles, by the way, the church has inherited those. And they are no longer for the Jewish people. So when you read in Jeremiah 31 and it's talking about the future of Israel— just scratch it out and put church because yeah. that's really what it's saying. Um, I would say this has been the biggest disservice to us as Christians because we have to relearn everything um, because this has been taught from, you know, from uh, from the school of you know from the school levels all the way all at the pulpit. Yes, um, from seminaries to the pulpit, and it's it's really. Um, it's really screwed us up because we've been detached from our roots. I mean, Paul said to Gentile Christians, now, hey, guys, you don't support the root. The root supports you. And Ooh, the that's so good. Abraham, right? Yes. And so if you cut yourself off, off from the roots, you become anemic and you die. Yes. Uh, and I think that's w- what we've seen over the years. You know, as I, as I look back at this, because I've been around for a long time, I'm quite a bit older than you are. You know, Moses, I was friends with Moses back in the day. But <laughs> as you as you go through Scripture, you know, and seminaries, and you can understand why the seminaries would teach this, because before 1948, there was no, you know, Israel and the Old Testament was simply um, fodder for teaching in the New Testament, because a lot of the things that were said of Israel and the church was applying to themselves because there was no Israel to apply it to. After 1948 and Israel becomes a nation, everybody really needed to take a new look at this because the Israel of Old Testament is the Israel of the Now Testament as well. And it changes the whole point of view, but a lot of people have that mindset in, in, in American churches and other churches as well, where they go, no, that, that, that's it. And they, they've gotten the kind of the uh, Palestinian BDS mentality. And the thing is, no, that they really are bad guys for what's going on there, but they're embracing uh, fake news in many ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I think a lot of people reformed. You know, we had the Reformation. The church continues, needs to continue to reform. And like you said, when when Israel became a nation, a lot of people probably woke up and said, "Whoa, yeah. what is going on here? Yes. This is this is uh, definitely an act of God." Um, you know, and you could you could see we, we mentioned Cyrus, right? Yes. When King Cyrus told, because what some people say is the modern state of Israel is just a political movement, and in fact, they're only there because of America, which is totally not true because we we hardly supported them in the beginning uh, militarily at all Uh, but they say it anyways and they say it's just a political movement it's not an act of god well you can see um that when cyrus said jews you're going back 
you're going back to Jerusalem, and he made a way, the, the naysayers would have said, hey, that's not God. You, you can see Satan saying that, sure, right? Absolutely. Hey, that's not God. That's a political movement. Well, God happens to work through politics, yes. and he certainly did back then, and he does today. Um, and the modern state of Israel was, um, was something God did and is doing because he has a plan there. He has a plan of re- restoring the Jewish people because he's a God of faithfulness, and he promised to restore them. Um, and it's, it's a, it's an amazing thing. So we've talked about replacement theology back then, you know, with our, the church fathers and even, you know, Satan, I believe in every generation, Satan has tried his best and done a, a fantastic job of blinding the church yes. so that we do not understand our role towards the Jewish people in every generation. And so you get Martin Luther, who's one of the, I mean, we have to thank Martin Luther. He he gave us our Bibles in our own language. With that, right? I mean, if if he didn't fight sure. for the stuff he fought for, we wouldn't be in the same place we are today. But he also wrote a book called "On the Jews and Their Lies," and he was one of the greatest anti-Semitics uh, that ever lived. Yes, uh, you know, and, and and so it, much it, so it, that Mein Kampf. You, you know, we're both going to the same place on this. Right. Mein Kampf, right. written by Adolf Hitler use that as its uh, premise and, 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 you know, foretext. Right. Uh, and right. When the you... night, the, the, yes, the night of Crystal Knock, the night that um, Germany decided to test out their, um, their, you know, final solution to see what the people would do when they acted out against the Jews, they decided to do it on Martin Luther's birthday for a reason. Yes. And so that night they burned the Talmud, Jewish books, synagogues, and nobody did a thing. So they went on with their final solution. So, you know, Satan, back then, he could maybe use a book like that. Uh, Today, Christians wouldn't go for that because there's so much uh, hatred language in that book that it's just not cool these days. He's got to get way more crafty. And today he has wrapped the same hatred in in a different package, and it's, it's, a, it's a social justice package. Ooh. And it says, yeah, it, it says, if you love Jesus, you'll be uh, for the oppressed. Yes. Um, which is true. It's true. And yeah, but, he, but he, he, he tricks everybody because he says, well, then you'll be against the, and you'll be against the oppressor. And that's also true. But the way he, he frames it is, in this situation, Israel is the oppressor. The Palestinians are the ones that are oppressed. Therefore, you should be against Israel. Yes. And yes. I would say, number one and number two, uh, two are true. Um, the Palestinian people are oppressed, and you should be for the oppressed. But number three is not true. And that's what we uncover in the Hope in the Holy Land. The Palestinian people are not oppressed primarily uh, or even mainly, maybe, you know, partially by Israel, but mainly through their their own accords. I mean, through their own corrupt governments, um, through their own radical Islamic um, culture that dominates their entire society, through their cultural anti-Semitism, which dominates their society. Yes. From the continued rejection of Palestinians, that continued rejection of living with Jews. That's right. Now, we, we know the Palestinian chant, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Yes. That's 
from the Mediterranean, uh, from the Jordan River on the eastern border yeah, of Israel Medi- to the Mediterranean. Absolutely. We, we need to take a break very soon here, my friend. Yeah. Uh, but you, you're exactly right. Uh, I, you know, we've uncovered something that I think is a real heart cry, and we're going to dig more deeply into this. We are proclaiming in this time frame now of Merry Christmas stuff and Happy Holidays stuff is peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We're going to Uh, excavate that a little bit more from the Holy Land and use that as our template as we discover what peace really looks like and sounds like. And I'm thrilled to have my partner in this, Todd Moorhead, movie maker of Hope in the Holy Land, hopeintheholyland.com. We will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego. It's just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, what an amazing time frame. It's called uh, the Christmas special we're doing on Come Together San Diego, but it's not your normal Christmas special. <clears throat> you know, we proclaim peace on earth and goodwill towards men, but we thought we'd do this uh, Christmas special actually focusing on uh, Israel and the Holy Land and assess where peace has gone awry and maybe use our prayer time and our uh, intimate time horizontally with other people to change the dynamics of this, not only in America and other countries, but also in Israel. And my co-host is Todd Moorhead, movie producer and surfer. I got to throw that in as well, a surfer. Uh, and he... Uh, has this movie documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. And he's also got a book called Grafted In. It's a study guide. So, Todd, as we, I want to dive into some of the questions you asked in your booklet, and this will, you can also refer to the movie as you go. Give, give the website one more time, Todd, regarding the, the book, which is called Grafted In. Yeah, so Grafted In can be found on uh, Amazon. And if you just put Grafted In, two words, Understanding, and that, that's probably enough right there. But the the sub subtitle is understanding God's role for you and your Jewish neighbors. Yes, I'm in, enamored by some of the chapters in this uh, study guide, and uh, chapter three really strikes me because this is really where uh, my heart is, and I know you your heart as well. As I haven't talked much with you, but I already know because <laughs> I know whom you mm-hmm. serve. And this is the question of chapter three: Why doesn't why don't most Jews believe that Jesus is Messiah? Jesus and Messiah are the most important component here as we get ready to enter the kingdom age. So I'm going to hand this to you, and I'm going to give some insights as well, because I, I, I'll tell you what, if we don't understand the, the Jewish Messiah, and a lot of people would say Yahshua instead of Jesus, which is a, a, a more accurate Hebrew uh, Jewish name, is Yeshua. But uh, if we don't get that, we, we misunderstand uh, what God's love and desire for peace and hope in the Holy Land and in our land is all about. I'm going to hand it to you. Take it where you will, and I'll do some color commentary, if you'd be so kind, Todd Moorhead. Yeah, you know, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, and f- for one, you know, God does talk about a veil being over their hearts until they until they confess Jesus, and then they see and understand um but there's a there's a lot more going on behind the scene yes and i would say that uh that christians are um 
you know, we have a lot to do with that because Christian anti-Semitism has been um, very prevalent. Uh, if you think about it, the Crusades yes. and the Spanish Inquisitions and, dare I say, the Holocaust was all done by, quote-unquote, Christian nations. Yes. Uh, and under the... Um, under the title of, you know, Christ, basically. So uh, when, when a Jewish person thinks of Jesus, they, th- they quite possibly might be thinking of the greatest anti-Semite who, Semite who ever lived. Yes. Or, or just anti-Semitism. And they think of all Christians as um, either those who want to convert them yep. and make them Gentile Christians or uh, kill them. And so there, there's some things to learn there. Uh, first of all, Jews do not convert. Uh, they, there's nothing more Jewish than believing in the Jewish Messiah. Absolutely. It's very un-Jewish to not believe in the Jewish Messiah. And, you know, we don't think like that, but it's, it's, very, it's, it's the most Jewish thing you can do. So um, inviting them back into their own olive tree yes. is what we need to be all about. Yes. Um, now, I, you know, there is... You know, there's always the uh, faithful remnant, remnant that the Bible talks about that will always believe. There will always, always be a number of Jewish believers in Jesus throughout history, and that remnant will ebb and flow. Yes. Uh, today, it's only like 1%. It's very small. Um, it's been larger in history, and it's been smaller in history. Uh, but the numbers are actually growing now. And um, so that's, that's really encouraging. I would say an- another thing is biblical ignorance. I, we as we as Christians, and often I don't call my so when, I, when I'm in Israel, I don't call myself a Christian. I call myself a follower of Jesus because I don't want to create a hang-up for anybody. If they think, uh, you know, most Jews can't decipher from um, Billy Graham or the Pope or Hitler, they're all Christians to them, right? Yes. So. Um, I want I want to point them to the Jewish Messiah um, Jesus Yeshua. So I'll, I'll call myself a follower of Jesus. But yes. um, most most Jews don't know their own Bible, and um, you know only something like ten percent are what you would call what they call themselves religious, um, and they follow you know the Talmud and um, and the Mishnah. And so those are commentaries about the Bible, but then it's not the Bible. So the, most Jews don't, the vast majority of Jews don't even know their own Bible. Yes, that's so very true. And did, you saw that on ground level, too, when you were doing your documentary, didn't you? A lot of people would claim being Jewish, but they really have no real understanding of the foundations. Yeah, exactly. It's um, <laughs> in the land of Jesus, Jesus is uh the best kept secret. Yes. Well, you, <laughs> so, when I visited with the, I have a lot of friends who are Orthodox Jews. I'm not talking about the Messianic Jews. I have a lot of friends who are Messianic Jews as well. But in Israel, the people that are really serious about the Orthodoxy uh, or even ultra Orthodox, they 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 have a a point of view that you know we want to be friends with you Gentiles. Scripture tells us we do, and you know we're looking for the return of the ten tribes, and uh, many of them are going to be coming from nations where you abide. And so, I mean, they have a real love and compassion, and also we a lot of people financially support Jews and uh, Israel uh, that they appreciate as well. But one of the things that they don't like is to, and you mentioned it, 
to be proselytized. They don't like to be proselytized. And I think you have wisdom there, not calling yourself a Christian. Um, and you, you're basically a follower of Jesus or Yeshua. I take a little different tact. <clears throat> I say I'm a follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that seems to play a lot better, too. And some of these Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox ultra Jews, just the word, the name Jesus uh, can be an offense. But the truth of the matter is they are, as we are, Todd, looking for the Messiah, son of David. And, the, and it, you know, we as Christians, we go, we know who the son of David is. And, and uh, so we have that in our hip pocket. But I think making a stand, uh, what I have done more successfully is saying to the my Jewish Orthodox brothers and sisters, I say, you and I are looking for Messiah, son of David. And when he comes, things will be set straight. You as an Orthodox Jew or uh, ultra-Orthodox Jew, ha- you know, there's a lot of things that, um, adjustments that you and I n- need to make. You as an Orthodox Jew and I as a Christian, I, I we have a lot of error in our understanding or misunderstanding of Judaism. So for that, we apologize. And, uh, you know, if you think that you know Torah uh, completely, then you know that uh, God's going to deal with you and say, you haven't even scratched the surface of the depth of my scripture. And all of a sudden we're on common ground, maybe a little different point of views. Any thoughts, Todd? Yeah, I love that. Um, Introducing yourself as someone who serves the God of Israel. Um, yes, Abraham, Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. I, I yep. use that one. It's, 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 it's really good because they don't think of that. They, they think Jesus is some Gentile God um, who is so far removed from them, and that's just not true. Yes. So, uh, you know, and, and my encouragement for people is to nurture those friendships with their Jewish neighbors all around, and that means the Jewish friends that you have here in the U.S., and um, to help point them to the love of God and to into the Messiah, because most <laughs> because they may never hear it aside from you. Yes, that's exactly right. And one of the things one of the things that I, I acknowledge is, you know, words carry some weight, but the truth of the matter is, lifestyle carries much more weight. I've had a chance to observe your lifestyle. Uh, look through some of the stuff that you've done and also some of the things that you write. And you're not just doing this uh, to, to make a splash. You're doing this because you are convinced and convicted of Holy Spirit to make a stand for godliness. And, you know, that common denominator you'll find in serious believers of God, whether they comprehend who Jesus is or not, they're, they're looking and seeking for the truth. And the the obligation for you and I Todd can only go so far, and then Holy Spirit is interacted and engaged, and it's the Holy Spirit who will lead them into all truth. Thoughts there? We've got about a minute left. Uh, Amen. I mean, this has been, I I believe God's Spirit has put this on my heart since I was a little boy, and it's really the heartbeat of, of, you know, the beat of my life. Uh, He is, Jesus is, but this is like what he's set me on course to do. So this is pretty much what I talk about with people, my friends and it drives them crazy, I think, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like that crazy Israel guy, <laughs> we're going to be talking about you as a crazy Israel guy, but how to become one <laughs> in the next segments. And my listening friend, uh, Merry Christmas, happy new year and joy to you and joy from a biblical standpoint. We're defining what that joy and hope looks like from a biblical standpoint. When Todd Morehouse and I come Right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, and I hope you're enjoying this Christmas special. And we're talking about uh, hope in the Holy Land. And uh, while many Christmas specials don't deal with this type of thing, but I thought it was a good idea to bring filmmaker Todd Moorhead on with me, who has completed and is distributing a motion picture documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. Find out more about that at hopeintheholyland.com. Todd, I think we're going to dig more deeply here. I love what our discussion has uh, supernaturally evolved into, if you will, uh, about the accountability and and, and uh, of we believers, and a lot of you know, there's a scripture you and I were talking about in the break in, in the book of Romans uh, about the jealousy. Why don't you share your thoughts on that, and we'll do a little chat back and forth. My listening friend, pay close attention while you're getting ready to cut the turkey and sit down with your friends and relatives around, uh, you know, communion, basically common union one with another. And uh, get some insights here about what God wants as far as unity uh, from his perspective. Todd? Yeah, do, do you have that verse in front of you, by chance? Well, I I can in just a moment. I've got my Bible. You you can you can talk while I'm digging up Romans eleven fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I think I think <clears throat> Romans eleven nine through eleven in particular are some of the greatest chapters for Gentiles, non-Jewish believers in Jesus, Christians, to understand God's role um, for them and the Jewish people, and to God, see what God is doing in and through the Jewish people and his plan of restoring them. Um, it flies in the face of replacement theology. Uh, it, it, it actually talks about God's faithfulness towards them yes. and his irrevocable promises to them. Yes. Um, I'm going to I'm going to start reading just 11:1, and then we'll just uh, extrapolate from there. But uh, Romans 11:1 says, "I say then, has God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also, this is Paul speaking. I also uh, am an Israelite uh, of the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. But God has not cast away His people, which He foreknew. And this is the the, the point of the matter is, you know, you have this anti-Semitism mentality." And the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> you might not like to hear this, but the Jews are his first chosen people, and the Gentiles are also his chosen people. If the Jews are the olive branch, the Gentiles are the wild olive branch, but the olive tree can facilitate both by being grafted in or back in. And so, my listening friend, it's a different point of view than perhaps you've had in your earlier Christian days, uh, because God wants to have a whole and uh, united tree, Jew and Gentile, as one new man. Isn't that right, Todd? Yeah, that is right. That's his, that's his goal. We've, you know, we're not second-class citizens in the kingdom. He's yeah. always had us in his sights. But, you know, there is a chronological order that they were chosen. They're the original chosen. And we are, we don't take over that chosenness. We partake in the chosenness. Yes. So we're not taker-overs. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not taker-overs. You know, one of the things that we talked of during the break, and it is so true, the scripture talks about part of the 
calling of the Gentile believers would be to make the Jews jealous. Uh, I remember back in the Old Testament, God says, you, you Jews were making me jealous by serving other gods. Well, I'm going to make you jealous by embracing a people whom you do not know as a people, uh, and they are going to make you jealous to come back to me. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty hefty scripture. And, you, you know, you and I have to look at the, the church at large, not only in America, but uh, in the world. And we go, how are we really making the Jews jealous? I mean, are we making the Jews jealous by... Uh, running around uh, in, in, in a bunny costume over Easter? Or are we, you know, uh, putting too much weight in the ho, ho, ho thing and not in the holy, holy, holy thing? Uh, so we really have to revisit this kind of thing, don't you think, Todd? Oh, definitely. I think, I think um, making them je- jealous is one of the primary reasons. It's not the reason that we as Gentiles are saved, but God says it's one of the reasons why we're saved. Sure. And he also, he also says because of their trespass, meaning because of their, the Jews' trespass, meaning their rejection of the Messiah, salvation has come to you Gentiles in order to make the Jews jealous. Yes. Yes. And so God wants us as Gentiles to love the Jewish people so much that they see that we have the peace of we have the God of Israel in our heart. Yes. Um, we have peace, love, joy, all the fruits of the spirit. And they want to know why. Yes. And the and, why is because we have the Messiah of Israel in our hearts. Yes. And, and then, I think it's not done this. We've, okay, we've exactly. Them, we've provoked them to anger more than anything else. <laughs> That's right. But as I, you and I mentioned earlier on in the show, there's such a thing as speaking it and preaching it. But there's also a, a thing called lifestyle ministry. And if you live it and you come alongside a Jewish person and show the compassion of Christ through his Holy Spirit, that speaks even much more loudly than words. And one of the ways that this jealousy is going to be administered is by such a level of compassion uh, uh, in face of contrary times that all of a sudden they go, there's something of of this person that uh, is a testimony to me. Tell me what makes you happy or gives you such hope. Well, then let me tell you about your Messiah. And I say, Messiah ben David, Messiah, son of David. That uh, opens the door without threatening them. And all of a sudden they begin to dig in scripture and they realize that the son of David uh, showed up earlier and he is coming back again to a world near you. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, <laughs> I agree. I, I think we're going to have to take a break now and dive into this. Uh, this is a, a, a very interesting topic, and I, I think, my listening friend, you're around the dinner table enjoying holidays, and maybe if you can do this delicately, have a conversation, not with any intent to destroy other people, but let's have a conversation. That's where it all begins, an open-hearted conversation. So Todd Moorhead and I will be right back. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to our Christmas special. And I have a Christmas special co-host, Todd Moorhead. He's a guy who loves the Lord with his heart, all of his heart. And he loves him with his lifestyle as well, but he also loves him by the way he is raising his family. And uh, he's concluded a documentary called Hope in the Holy Land. 
hopeintheholyland.com. We're talking about that hope. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about faith as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes this hope is uh, evidenced by things that you wouldn't expect. And a lot of it is a horizontal relationship and a lifestyle ministry that is uh, endued by Holy Spirit in you, my listening friend. And so let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Todd Moorhead uh, talking about a very engaging topic. What's it looking like in these days, Todd? And uh, how might we be better illustrations of the Lord in our life and lifestyle? Oh, well, that's what I'm convicted of every day of my life. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's a lot of it is being more in the moment for me and um, making time and space to be outside with my neighbors and to be praying um, about maybe having a conversation with them or, or just being present, you know, willing and ready to be used by God and how he wants me to be. And then. You know, in part, especially with the movie, how I challenge people in the, in the movie to love their enemies. Well, uh, we have plenty of enemies these days because everything, and I, and I say that because everything's so divided, so that's the way it seems. And um, so there's plenty of work to do out there to, to, to have God's heart, even for the people that you don't agree with. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I, I'm so amazed at how God has his strategies, and what the 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 Hebrews or the uh, Orthodox and ultra Orthodox Jews would call Satan Hasatan. That's what how they would call him, and um, you know they don't get much reference to Satan from their scriptures, other than you know in the Book of Job it's pretty hefty, and in, in in some of the prophetical books and things like that. But they don't think about Satan as much as as, as they really should, and and that he's a, a live entity that fell from heaven, and uh, uh, his his whole point and purpose is to thwart mankind because if he can thwart God's kids, then he wins, and and God knows he's not going to win, and so do we. At least we should know that he's not going to win, although you look at the news today and you look at what's going on in the world today and you go, it looks like he has a pretty upper hand, but uh, God's going to do something. And I think Israel is going to be a big part of that. Uh, Jews are going to be a big part of that. Gentiles and we Christians are going to be a big part of that as well. Don't you, Todd? Oh, yeah, I I agree. Uh, And the faster we as Christians can get on board with God's plan for loving Israel and the Jewish people, and loving the Palestinians and all their neighbors as well. Um, I think the better it's going to be for us. And like you said, that Satan is, and we talked about it during the break, Satan's alive and well. And he, I often don't think we give him enough credit. You think about the, you think about the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were sinless. They had a relationship with God. They're walking in a sinless state and he fooled them in that sinless state. And it's not to be, we're not to fear him, but he is very crafty. Very. And he is, and a lot of times we say the Jews are blind. Yeah, the Jews are blind to uh, to their own God and, and the Messiah, I would say. Um, but the church has been blind as well. We've been blind to our responsibility towards the Jewish people, how we are supposed to love them so well that... Um, they become jealous and want him as well, and they're regrafted in, like Paul says, into their own olive tree. Yes. 
Um, it's time that Christians wake up and they take it seriously. Yes, yes, yes. And I, one of the things, you know, right now when we, uh, if you're watching the news and you actually happen to find one of the few conservative news point of views, you will realize that there's a lot of stuff that is uh, going on that um, is, is, you know, fake news, fake this, fake that, and different gubernatorial races, different uh, um, uh, political things are going on, different educational things are going on, wall and protection things, family-related things, all these things. There are false flags and false news going on out there, and it's easy for us to get carried away and imbalanced imbalanced and Satan goes ha it's working and God is going I've I've got my spirit and my kids and my spirit is going to uh, invade each one of them and they're going to rethink their points of view and that's what's going on right now in the church environment I think and I think also is going on in Israel in all honesty I know that there's very similar things going on in Israel as well and whether they're you know uh, hard and fast believing Jews, uh, Orthodox Jews or ultra Orthodox or just passive people, they know things are not right. And in America, my listening friend, you and I know things are not right as well. And the only real solution is the creator of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Yeshua, uh, uh, Yeshua, Messiah, Messiah uh, the Messiah, uh, Son of David, Jesus. Todd, handing it to you. Yeah, I I think that um, you know eternity is written on everybody's heart, and, yes. and Jew and Gentile are, are searching for truth. Um, and I think we live in a very unique time because there's a lot of fear out there, as as you know. Um, people don't feel safe; they don't trust anybody. And I don't. Know, maybe this is contrary. I think it's contrary to what people think in their hearts, but I think people are just hungry for the truth. Oh, yes. And they want to know that there's a God who loves them and who will save them and um, who has a life for them uh, now and and forever. So um, I think Jew and Gentile are looking for the same thing. We're looking for that truth. And I think, you know, this, there's no mistake of what's happened here in America. Um, it didn't, it didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't come about as you know under god's you know it's, it's a part of god's sovereignty he's allowing it we're kind of getting what we asked for in a sense yes. um i mean i didn't ask for this but you know as christians we didn't ask for it i don't think but a lot of our society did and is asking for it so he might just grant that to us um but i think as that happens um there's uh, even in churches today there's a there's a line being drawn in the sand of are you either with me or you're not? And we're seeing the people who, a lot are not. They're playing Christianity. Uh, they're playing pro- progressive Christianity, which is, you just call yourself something else. I mean, give me a break. It has nothing to do with um, the Jesus of the Bible. It's just, you know, it's culture wrapped in, it's Jesus wrapped in today's culture, and that's it. So a lot of that's happening now, uh, but people want truth. And I, uh, you listen. You listen to the progressive Christianity's answers to things. It's like nailing nailing Jello to the wall. It, it's <laughs> there's no, there's nothing to it. it. Well, it's easy to do if you keep it in the yeah. box. Uh, but if you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, and it will change in two years. It might change in a couple months, depending on <laughs> yes. what. Is. So, um, 
I think people are really hungry for the truth and they want to know that God loves them and, um, and is there for them. He's for them and he wants a relationship with them. Yes. Well, and one, one of the false doctrines I think that's go, is going around is um, you're never going to have any challenges. You receive the Lord in your life and everything's blue sky and sun, sunshine. The truth of the matter is consider him who suffered such great contradictions of sinners against himself lest you also may suffer in your own mind. The point of the matter is God wants us to be like him, and there's a level as we as the body collectively have to experience some things to mature us. You know, if you allow a baby never to grow up, they continue drinking what the Bible talks about in Hebrews, the sincere milk of the word, but they are long past just drinking milk. They are where they should be able to sustain themselves with more nutritious foods rather than just milk. You know, the Bible talks about it, the meat of the word. Many Christians would prefer the milk of the word and not worry about the other stuff. But God needs to have mature people. Don't you agree, Todd, in these days? Mature people. And so he's giving people uh, a, a guy with a lifestyle like you and hopefully like me and others as well that will speak the truth in love. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think people are hungry. They're they're hungry for it. They want they want to know what Scripture says. I, you know what I, I think what's going on a lot of times is um, our churches speak to the people who I they're, they're seeker friendly, so they don't feed the flock. It's just what does the person who's seeking want to hear? Yes. We don't go deeper than than any. We don't go deeper than the milk, and the milk's even watered down. Um, yeah. And and I think they need to. I think we need to be talking about deeper things. What's going on in the world? What's going on with Israel? How that affects you? Um, I, what I've discovered, and when I when I take people to Israel, uh, their faith becomes alive. Yes. Because they realize the God of Israel is their God, and He's a God of faithfulness. Yes. And because He's faithful to Israel, He's faithful to them. That's opposite of what replacement theology says. Yes. Replacement theology says that God had a covenant with Israel. They broke it. Now they're out and we're in. Well, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I don't feel very confident in my relationship with Jesus, if that's the case. Yeah. Why does he, he, he could cut me off next and say, you know what, uh, Todd, you're out. The next guy's in. But that's not who the no, God it is. Not. He makes he makes faithful promises. And um, and I, and I think that going deeper in the word is where you get that stuff. Yes, and you know we we have to get past the idea that the miracles that he did back in the Old Testament days are not miracles that he will do now. That's not scriptural at all. But because we feel more comfortable in that <clears throat> a social socialite mentality, a you know, feel-good uh, gospel, we, we d- just don't want to deal with the fact that God can do supernatural miracles and God's kids uh, can entrust him to do that if we have the right attitude and the right relationship. That's, uh, that's kind of where we are. We've got about a minute left in this segment. Where would you like to take this? And let's spend the whole last segment just uh, diving deeply and, and uh, just rending our open hearts and see where God t- takes the last segment. So a closing thought in 30 seconds or so, Todd. Yeah, like what you said, I think God's doing, he's on the move, and there's a, there's a lot of people, uh, myself included, who want more of him and who are open to see him do 
amazing things in our lives and our nations and our in our world. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to put God in some some box and say he can't do the things he did in the past. Yes. Well, that that's it. You know, there's a scripture that we, that we, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. My listening friend, in the last segment on this holiday Christmas special, we're going to talk about making Jesus the fullness of your Lord and Savior and what that means for you, but what it means through you to the world when Todd Moore, uh, Moorhead and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome back. It's the last segment of the show. I'm always amazed at how quickly two hours go by on radio, especially when you have an engaging guest, as I do. He's more than a guest. He's a co-host. Name is Todd Moorhead, producer of a movie documentary called "Hope in the uh, in Hope in the Holy Land," and uh, he 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 has study guides tied to that and uh, the documentary. And what's the name of that other movie that you finished as well, Todd? You several, but Land, yeah, Promised Land, Israel through the eyes of surfers, and you can see that by going to Promised with a D, PromisedLandTheMovie dot com. I love it. So my listening friend, here you are uh, listening to the radio in the background while you're visiting with your neighbors and friends and probably just finished a wonderful meal or are in the process. Or maybe you didn't even celebrate uh, the holidays because you didn't have anybody to spend time with. You need to know that God knows who you are, but also where you are and what it's going to take to empower you like you've only imagined. So Todd, I think maybe during this segment, we're going to actually be an encouragement to all our listeners and actually give them some insights on getting an intimate relationship with the Lord, either beginning one or enhancing their existing one. Todd, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I just, I love it that God, I love hearing that God is for me. And I think that's what people need to hear. They need to hear that God is for them, that he's not some taskmaster who wants to ruin their life, but he is um, the God of the universe who wants intimate relationship with them. Um, and for me personally, that has been the most obvious thing and the hardest thing in the world to comprehend. It's the most obvious thing because it's you read the Bible from front to back and that's, that's the story. Um, but it's the hardest thing to comprehend because one, I think we have an enemy and he will do anything in his power for you not to comprehend that he will make you religious if he has to and you can live by a set of rules and you can live with fear and shame and not be affected by his love or the gospel at all but you're just living in fear and you're living in a religion oh and that you could call that christianity if you want um because plenty plenty do and we can have seasons like that but um of what I found out in my life that Satan got found out by masquerading as an angel of light or however you want to say it, by masquerading as uh, a religious spirit. He got found out. He had to leave. Yes. Uh, he tries He tries to come back every once in a while and, and um, reinvent himself. But ultimately, um, I've learned how much uh, the Father loves me. Um, 
and that how he is for me and he wants relationship with me and that that to me is um it doesn't get any better than that and yes. i <laughs> and even as i'm saying it i'm thinking man i, I want more of that yes i need yes. more of that lord um so just to the audience listening that's that's who the god of israel is um he's a intimate relational god who sent his son to die for us so that we could have eternal life he Jesus did for us what we couldn't do, um, because as Romans says, um, all have you know the wa- the wages of sin is uh, sorry all have sinned right. and fall short, short of the glory, glory of God. Yes, yeah. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes. And then he goes on to say that um, that he loves us. It, he shows us, he demonstrates us his love in that while we were still sinners, yeah. while we were shaking at our fist at God and saying we hated him, Jesus hung on the cross for us oh my. at that very time. Yes. One of and the things, says, go ahead, go ahead, forgive me. Yeah, well, and then, then he goes on to say, um, it, because if you, you know, if you can, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yes. And that's, that's the truth. And that is how we have relationship with the God of Israel through Jesus and what he did on the cross. He's taken the penalty of our sins and paid for it full price. And he didn't just die, but he rose again. So we live with a resurrected Jesus. Yes, and that, and that certainly changes the, changes the rules, doesn't it, about the religion, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we he's alive, so all who hope in him will live. Yes, and we have that resurrection power in us as well. You know, you made a comment, and I want to just spend a moment or two talking, having you talk about it. You drew a line between a, a differential between the word religion or being religious and having relationship, and one of the one of the enemies. Satan, or as they call him in uh, Judaism, Hasatan. One of his greatest tools is to give you religion, and that is the following of cold, hard, dead, and uh, injurious rules and regulations at the expense of showing love and compassion. And uh, a lot of us fall into that category in a church environment. It's easy for us to go, oh, you didn't do, you know, didn't, didn't do that. You check off this thing. You didn't do this thing or the, this thing. And all of a sudden we get into a, the legalism of Scripture and he and Satan goes, ah, it's working because their attention is towards uh, doing things instead of being whom God called you oh, to be. He loves it. Oh, Satan loves it. That's yes. all. I think he just loves it when we get religious because he knows that. We're not experiencing um, God's love because we're not connected to it. We're not seeing it. We're not experiencing it. And we're living in fear. And then we're, what it does to the believer is it makes the believer a critical person to be around. And that's oh why people don't like Christians because they say Christians are critical. Well, that's because you probably run into Christians who um, ha- are caught up in religion and doing good and or not doing good. And and we do that because we do good, not because God's spirit lives in us and we're connected to the vine and the Lord. But when you disconnect yourself from Jesus and you, and, and you try to do good out of fear, 
it, it just it, it just the fruit of it is bad. It's bad, especially fruit. because there's ulterior motives tied to that. Yeah, yeah. It's not the gospel. That's not why Jesus died. Yes, he died so we could have a relationship with him, and then through that relationship and his overwhelming love for us, we would go love other people. Exactly. Well. Todd, we find ourselves near the end of the show, and a lot of people have just kind of listened to this as they've gone through their, you know, maybe dinner and hors d'oeuvres and things like that, or maybe kind of one ear they're listening to this and the other ear they're listening to a broadcast on TV or something like that. But the truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is there's always a time for us to make a decision to go more intimately with God. My listening friend, if you've been listening to this in your heart of hearts, you go, I want to make a, either I'm a believer, but I want to make a more uh, deep dedication to the Lord. Or, you know, I've been on the fringes and been hearing about it, but uh, I haven't really made that commitment. Uh, would you do the honor, Todd, to, to lead forth in a prayer of salvation or rededication or fuller embrace to our listening friends? And my listening friend, as you're listening to this, uh, Todd will give you an opportunity to repeat these things. You can repeat it under, under your breath or even silently at this juncture. Um, and that's okay because God is going to be celebrating like crazy. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. And my new friend, Todd Moorhead, would you do the honors? Yeah, I'd love to, because thank you. Um, yeah, Father... Uh, I recognize that you are God and I am not. I recognize you're perfect and that you love us. Um, I recognize that you sent your son, Jesus, to not only live a perfect life, but to die on the cross as um, that sacrifice, that atoning atoning sacrifice um, to pay my penalty and not his own. Um, I recognize that he died on the cross was buried for three days and he rose again just like the scriptures say and so Jesus I ask that you would forgive me of my every sin that you would give me your spirit your Holy Spirit to live and live in my heart live in my life um, and to cause me to walk in your ways and and Lord I just want to be connected to you I want to know you more um, I, I don't want to live in fear. I want to live um, in, in vital connection to you, just how a, like a piece of fruit, like a grape, lives in connection with the vine. <laughs> um, that that would just be so natural, Lord. And, I, and, I, um, and for those who are rededicating their lives to Jesus, I, I just say that, Lord, I, I'm coming back to you. I recognize that this world has nothing, and I want you and I want the fullness of you, and I repent from my ways, and I ask that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, cause me to walk in your ways, and and for all of us, Lord, we ask that you would give us love for those around us, love for our families and our friends, for and for our enemies, that we would see people the way you see them, and Lord, we pray for revival in this world. Lord, we ask that you would protect Israel, Lord, you, your word says you know you never slumber or sleep. You're always looking after Israel. It is your heartbeat. Lord, we pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. Um, we ask, we pray for, um, we pray for peace in Jerusalem, and um, we ask it all in the victorious name of 
Jesus, the one who uh, is alive today and in, in, uh, in his name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Th- Todd, thank you. I appreciate that, Todd Moorhead. And my listening friend, I hope this has uh, triggered something in your heart. You know, everybody does during New Year's, they go, New Year's resolution, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to do all these different things. But the real resolution has to be right now in your resolution to embrace the Lord Jesus because he embraced you long ago. He foreknew you even as you were being formed and before you were being formed even in your mother's womb. I mean, he he has that level of intimacy and knows you so well. So the the challenge for us is to make a dedication for him because he wants to not only come in and empower you, he wants to instruct you to help empower other people. So that's where you are. And look at the world. The world needs God godliness and god's kids and ladies and gentlemen boys and girls that's y-o-u so on behalf of todd moorhead movie producer and lover of god and uh, his new motion picture documentary hope in in the holy land at hopeintheholyland.com. Todd, thank you for joining me on this two hours. It goes quickly. My listening friend, just know that God's loving you more than you know, and you're going to be needing to draw on him in these challenging times because if you don't have him, you are in deep trouble. But with him, you cannot be defeated because with God is for me, then who can be against me? Isn't that right, Todd? Amen. Okay, my Amen. brother. Thanks, Taz. It's been really fun. Thank it's you it's so a pleasure. Much. And my listening friend, come together, San Diego, every Saturday. We're looking to see what God wants to do to and through you. Join us next week. God bless you and Merry Christmas. God bless. Thanks for joining Kaz Tater and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.